Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Sorry to disappoint you, but no Tim McKernan today. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how he starts it, though, right? I, I found that out. Well, I, normally I listen to his show religiously, but I didn't know he started the show that way. Yeah. That's how he does it? Yeah, every day. I look forward to it. I okay. want to hear what the cadence is going to be, how many yeahs we're going to get, yep. when he stops them, and then depending on what the news is that day, does he jam right into it, or do we get a little delay that's jeremy rutherford i'm dan mclaughlin filling in today and tomorrow grant frazier francis, francis. kidding because i oh, called God. you Paulson before and then i said no i'm gonna call you francis no i'm gonna call him frazier to give him trouble the look on grant's face when that he was kind of funny it's kind of funny no grant was awesome he texted me this morning at about what was it 6 30 saying what do you need i said we don't need a thing i got jr baby i've, I've got hot radio i should have known you guys are pros well, one of us is. Yeah, you. And when I text you at 6.30 no, in the morning. No, you, buddy. You are a pro. <laughs> You're on this station more than RK. <laughs> I hope not. When I text you at 6.30 in the morning, I get an emoji with uh, a finger. <laughs> From whom? <laughs> From you. Oh, I don't do that. <laughs> I never have done that to you. No. You know, I love you, buddy. Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. By the way, we're going to open up the text lines. If you have questions about the Blues, uh, we can throw that out there. It's 399-9646, 314-399-9646. You were on yesterday. I was filling in on the fast lane, and I have gone back and watched some of the presentation that the Blues put together, Anatomy of a Draft, I think it's what it's called. Um, that was really cool, man. It's just, I, I find it fun, and I don't care if it's Johnny Manziel, which I've seen. I was watching the, the QB stories with uh, Mahomes and Kirk Cousins and Mariota last night because I don't sleep, so I was watching some of that. I, I just find that anytime you can go behind the scenes in sports and show who these people are, because they really are guarded now for many reasons, but anytime you can see that stuff, I find it to be really cool. I thought the Blues did a great job with that. Yeah, they did a great job, and Danny, it's the best whenever you can go behind the scenes. That's, as a writer, 20 years in the business, I love when you can take fans behind the scenes. And don't get me wrong, you know, writing is my passion, but to find the words that describe what's happening or describe the scene, you got to have the eyes, the observation skills to be able to tell the reader when you're writing a story what it looked like in the room. As you know well, being in TV all your life, Showing that video is yeah. even more amazing. Did know? it piss you off, though, that you didn't have a chance to be as close as some of those guys that had the access? Again, they work for the Blues. You can understand. It's their product, their message they want to put out there. But did it piss you off at all that you weren't in there, too? Well, it, you know, you'd wish you can do it. It doesn't piss me off because I know that that would never happen, whether it be the Blues or any other team. I, you know, I think for them to let an independent outlet come in and hear their secrets, you know, they're likely not going to do that. You know, for Mike Crusoe, Trevor Nickerson, who did a great job with Blue Note Productions to 
to go in there. You know, they've got to have Army's trust, and they had that. You know, nobody else is going to get that. Yeah, it was good. I uh, I found it interesting, the back and forth with the scouts and, well, Hall of Famer with Al McGinnis, who was in there. I mean, just everybody had a voice, and everybody's got an opinion. But ultimately, it falls on... Doug Armstrong's shoulders to make the pick, but I love seeing the back and forth and what they have to say about particular players. That's great. That's the insight I want to see. It is, and if you haven't seen it yet, it's the anatomy of the draft. The Blues put it out, and what Danny's referring to there is they'll be talking about player X, and they'll say, what do you think, John? And he'll say, well, I think he's got good puck skills, uh, he drips passion, uh, he doesn't want to come off the ice, so on and so forth. And then they'll turn to the other scout, what do you think, Pete? And he goes, well, I think the guy's lazy, and he doesn't get back, and, and he does doesn't help out his teammates. And yeah. then so they'll have that back and forth. But the banter's the best. Yes. If anybody didn't catch it, uh, listen, guys like Al McKinnis and Keith Kachuk have been around each other so long so they can set each other up. So in the anatomy of the draft, you hear Al McKinnis say, all right, let's hear it, Walt. And Big Walt says, uh, the two rules, get the puck to Big Walt, and number two, <laughs> don't forget rule number one. <laughs> it sounds like Big Walt, man. That's the way he rolls. JR, how many years now at The Athletic for you? Uh, I think this is seven or eight, somewhere in there. Yeah. Are you enjoying it still? Yeah, love it, love it, love and it. You're yeah. covering the beat with the blues and, and doing that. Have you ever had aspirations to do another sport or, or even leave the city, go cover another team? No, and you know what? It's so odd because I didn't grow up playing hockey. You know, I was the fat kid maybe in the schoolyard in the rollerblades that I bought at Walmart uh-huh. playing a little roller hockey in the 90s. But, uh, you know, I never envisioned playing playing hockey. Uh, let me share this quick one to show you where I came from is, you know, the blue, the uh, the uh, post-dispatch puts me on the blues. I didn't expect that. And one day I find myself in the locker room, and it was a game against the Chicago Blackhawks. I'll never forget this. It's 4-4-5-4-5-5-6-5-6-6. And I didn't grow up playing hockey, so I didn't know the term at the time. We're going back to 2005, the term pond hockey. It's like a pond hockey game. Wide open, all that stuff. Yeah. So for people who don't know, when you're right at the Post-Dispatch and you cover a 7 o'clock game, the deadline's like at 10 or 10.30. So you only have time to run down to the locker room, get a quick quote, run it back up to your computer, type it up, and then your story's done. Well, one day I ran into the locker room after that Blackhawks game, and Dallas Drake, the former captain you guys remember. Love Dallas Drake. Yeah, Good guy. He said, well, it's like a pond hockey Terrible game. teeth, but uh, great guy. <laughs> That's Dallas, a sidebar. <laughs> he did. A lot of them do. But Dallas says uh, it's like a pond hockey game. And in my mind, he said pawn, like a chess match, back and forth, P-A-W-N. <laughs> so that's what I go and write in my story, and I'll never forget it. I walk in the locker room the next day, walk right up to Dallas Drake, and he must have read the story in the post-dispatch. He goes, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> One of the things, though, at The Athletic that you do is that you're trying to go behind the scenes a little bit more. It's not just about the X's and O's of that night. You're trying to find out about who these guys are as people. I, I think that's a fair assessment. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. And that's the part of the job I love, and that's honestly why I took the job is uh, I wanted to be able to focus on telling human interest stories. And we do get into the X's and O's and we get into video and we get into a lot of things, but it's the human interest stories. And, you know, I can go back in these seven years at The Athletic and the two that stick out the most, Alex Petrangelo. You know, he tells me that he and his wife, you know, had a couple uh, miscarriages. And so we sat down for an hour and, and talked about that. And then I'll never forget this either. When Mike Crusoe came up to me one day and said, you should do a story on Bobby Plager. He never watches the games. And I, what do you mean he doesn't watch the games? He goes, follow him for one game. So I followed him for one game. And guess what? It was a playoff game against Dallas in 2019. I'll never forget the, the mail, the messages I got the next day. You didn't even write about the game. 
game. Tell us about the game. This is the playoffs. And I said, I'm following Bobby Plager around. And still today, I'll get people to come up and say, one of the best stories I ever read the athletic that you did is on following Bobby Plager around the rink, and he does not watch the game. So you had a great relationship with Bobby, didn't you? Yeah, he's the best, the best. Um, one of the things, too, that you sent me pictures, we were doing a TV show on the, and you wrote the book, The 100 Things Before You Should Before You Die That You Should Know or Learn About the Blues. I'm Let's paraphrasing. Let's can get this right, Frazier. <laughs> Easy. Um, so one of the things, though, that you sent me was pictures of Bobby at the at, at, in Boston and and not watching the game. I mean, that stuff that is chronicled there in that story that you won't find anywhere else. And also tell the story about uh, the big boy, the St. Louis hometown hero, with his mom seeing her after game seven, I believe yeah. it was, and what she had to give you in, in terms of, of a memento, uh, what she was wearing, I guess it was that night. Yeah, lots of pictures of uh, Bobby Plager over the years. And what you'll see is the game's going on, and he is on a couch making coffee. Uh, I'll never forget that uh, he walks the concourse, and if if Bobby Plager's standing in a certain spot when the other team scores, he, he used to take his foot and mark the spot in the carpet and say, don't walk there. You know, I'm not coming back That's here. Awesome. Yeah, he said he, he felt that it was superstitious to walk wherever uh, he was when the team scored a goal. And then with uh, Patty Maroon's mom, uh, the night that he scored the double OT winner, uh, I was able to, because of the athletic, we didn't have necessarily a deadline, Danny. I waited out the family, and I stayed down into that family area until Pat came out to, to hug his mom, to hug his family. And, and she told the story about the night that he scored. She had a prayer card, and I don't know, can we say this, uh, in her bra. Okay, yeah, you can say that. <laughs> she said it. Okay. And she pulls it out, and she holds it up, and she says, you know, here's what did it, here's what did it. And she's holding a prayer card uh, just about 30 minutes after Pat had scored that big goal for the Blues. That's awesome. Who's the guy that you really enjoy covering right now with the current Blues team? Current Blues team, uh, there's some good ones. I think one that sticks out really is uh, Braden Shen, uh, you know, Ryan O'Reilly before he left. Uh, there's some other good ones. Justin Falk, stand-up guy. A lot of the stand-up guys on this team. But, you know, Shen sticks out. He gets it. He gets, uh, you know, our job, and, and he comes out and explains things to us and, you know, puts some thought into the question. Speaking of which, I'm sure we'll touch on this when we get into some Blues questions, but uh, Braden Shen, I've always felt like he could be the next captain of the yeah, Blues. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, and and maybe we can get more in-depth later on, Danny, but I think that... Um, I'm running the show. I'll ask the questions. <laughs> Just like I've known you since you were 16 years old. Uh, I think I think that could the Blues name a captain? Doug Armstrong hinted in the offseason that he's going to do his homework and might not name a captain, and that could be the case. We'll see as we get closer to training camp. But, you know, I've always thought that it could be Braden Shen, but it turns out that the Blues may not even put a C on anybody heading into this may season. May give you like a Tony LaRusso here tied for first, but favorite player to cover. And I know you've had a bunch, but uh, there's one that comes to mind. Yeah, I, I think, and if there are you know, they're listening, you know, some blues players. I know there's a lot in town. You know, I enjoyed covering all of them. Uh, but I think one that, that really sits there at the top for me is is like a Barrett Jackman. Um, he he just, when he came into the league, he was a pro. And he handled himself so professionally. And I think we just talked about the guy, Bobby Plager, number five. He passed that down to Barrett Jackman. And I think uh, Barrett took it and run, ran with it. Look, he's, what, second all-time games played, most for defensemen. He's going to be in the Blues Hall of Fame one day. I did a podcast with him there for a couple of years. Uh, so there are plenty of them, but I think in terms of guys who uh, sit there at the top in terms of 
treating you right, knowing that you had a job and kind of Class getting act. some jabs Absolutely. every once Yeah, it's Barrett-Jackson. 10-14 here in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Some quick hitters on the blues coming up. A lot of text uh, questions for JR as well. This is 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin filling in for Tim McKernan. He'll be back with you on Monday. I'll be back in this seat tomorrow at 10. Tim Peel, longtime NHL ref. Yep, call St. Louis home, and he'll be in studio with us. That is Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. I'm looking forward to visiting with Tim. There's a lot of different directions that you can get into and one of the things I want to ask about is youth sports. Like when he's at his kids' games and watching a ref, you know, watching an umpire and seeing the the parents' reaction to said umpire, said kid, um, it's out of control right now. And I, I just want to, from his viewpoint as a guy who's at the top of his game, one of the elite guys in the world at what he does, when he's watching that, like, what do you think? You know what I mean? Yeah, Pilsy's the drives best. Drives me crazy. Yeah, he's the best. And he does have that perspective. He'll bring it to you tomorrow, Danny, of being a professional referee and knowing what it's like from that side of it. But then also he's the father of a couple young kids who are competitive and, and uh, he's at their sports. and Exactly. Su- super positive guy. I got him on Facebook and it doesn't matter what you write. He's always there to say, you know, have a great day. Congratulations. Best of luck. Yeah. I look forward to listening to tomorrow. So again, our uh, text line is 399-9646. I'm going to give you some quick hitters on the blues and let's just start with this. What's been the biggest headline in the offseason? season for the Blues? Uh, I think the biggest headline, Danny, was uh, trying to trade Tory Krug. I think that uh, that trade with Philadelphia, it looked like it could go through. The Blues obviously were hopeful. Uh, the last thing that a GM does is take the trade to the player who has the no trade clause. They took it to uh, Tory Krug, and he thought about it for a couple days and then declined. He invoked that no trade clause. So if that goes through, you're looking at a much bigger trade with Philadelphia. And even though Kevin Hayes might be the headline because that's a, uh, what actually happened at the end of the day, it's the fact that they attempted to trade Tory Krug. It didn't go through. It shows their cards in terms they want to trade him. And so I think eventually, you know, with four years left on that deal, they'll try to find something, I would think, uh, between now and then where they move Tory Krug eventually. Do we know why exactly he invoked the uh his right to say, I'm blocking this trade. Yeah, I think it's uh, probably multifaceted. The biggest thing is that uh, Philadelphia is in a huge rebuild. It's going to take them a while to, to, to turn the corner. And I So think, was it necessarily about uprooting family and that kind of thing, yeah, or I did they have a little bit of yeah, it? Yeah, definitely part of it. You know, here, Here's the thing is, Philadelphia is likely going to flip him eventually, whether it be right after the trade or whether it be at the upcoming trade deadline next season, Dan. And I think that if you're Tory Krug, his wife, their family, you're thinking about, okay, we're moving from St. Louis to Philadelphia now. And then potentially in February or March, we could be on the move again. So the entire defense is the same as last year. Is it going to be better or same? What do you you see as improvements for the defense going forward next year? Well, at this point, as we sit here in August, I don't know that you can say that it can be better. It's the same defense that the Blues sent out there last year. Now, you, you change the coach. Mike Van Ryan's gone. By the way, if you missed it, he's in Toronto now, assistant with the Maple Leafs. And Mike Weber takes over. He's a first-year NHL coach. But Doug Armstrong, Grant, you were there, talked about you know the need to relate to some of these younger players. And in doing my research on Mike Weber, the new assistant coach, he 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 really works well with these young kids. He's coming off a stint in the American Hockey League, coaching these young guys, Dan. And I think that he's going to come in and and kind of have their ear. So we'll see what happens. But the thing is, I agree with Doug Armstrong from one side of it that all four of these guys can't have another bad year all at the same time. But are they good enough? Is the talent there with these four guys to be a top four defense in the National Hockey League? What are the Blues getting with uh, Kevin Hayes? 
What well, do you think? Yeah, I think they're getting a, a veteran who is going to be a decent third-line center for him, for them, and I think they're getting a guy at a great cost. I mean, you're talking about a $7 million guy that the Blues are going to get at 50%. Now, people could say that, yeah, that contract was bloated. He should have never got $7 million, but he's still better than a $3.5 million player, which is what the Blues are going to get him for the next few years. So, Dan, you know, let's say you're asking this question in January. Are we looking back and saying, wow, what a steal. He's great. You know, he's oh, he's got 18 goals. No, that's not going to be the type of guy I think that you see with a Kevin Hayes, but he's steady. He's going to bring some stability to the lineup, and most importantly, he's going to keep this team more competitive than if Doug Armstrong just stripped it down and went straight to the prospects. This is a guy that's going to give the Blues a chance to kind of be in that playoff conversation. So what did the top three lines look like with the addition now of Hayes? What's it going to look like? And there's been a lot of movement here from the trade deadline to what we're talking about here in August and still maybe some more shuffling, but what's it going to look like? Yeah, I think there's... uh there's a couple different ways that this could go. Uh, I think that when we get to camp, we could probably see, though, Pavel Buchnevich on a line with Thomas and Kairou at the top. You know, I think that second line is probably going to have Braden Shen centering it. I think you could have Kasperi Kapanen on the right side there. Here's the pivot. What happens? Second line, left wing. Is it a Sammy Blay? He's got the skill. We saw it last year. Uh, he had a great finish after the Blues acquired him from uh, New York. He had a great world championship. Or is Jake Neighbors ready to step up, and can he be a, a second-line guy? Who plays that left-wing side on that second line I think is going to be the biggest thing. And then on the third line, you're going to have uh, plenty of options. Kevin Hayes is going to be the center of that line. You know, Do you have a Jake Neighbors on that line? You know, Who plays on the right side? Uh, and then you're looking at a fourth line of potentially a Toropchenko, a Sunquist. you got McEachern, you got Blay. If he doesn't play on the second line, he can slip down. So a lot of options. They, the one thing is, I don't think you look at these 12 and you say, wow, that's a top five playoff contender, but I do think that there's some depth with this group. Sunquist back again. Yeah, how about that? What do you think? Well, you know, it was back and forth. You know, you do your homework and make some phone calls behind the scenes, and I know he had a lot of interest in coming back and being with the Blues. This is where he wanted to be. Uh, but did the Blues have interest? And I th- I thought it made sense from the perspective of he's going to be cheap, and you know he's not going to look for term on the contract. So they do get him at the one year, 775000 Doug Armstrong, Craig Berube, the one thing I always say about them, Dan, is you know they like players who they know what they're going to get from the guy. You look at McEachern's back. How many times did they bring Perron back? Uh, Sunquist is coming back. Sammy Blay is coming back. And so uh, I think for one year, put him in the middle on that fourth line. And like Sunquist told me in the article that I wrote last week, a couple weeks ago, he said that uh, I want to teach the young kids how to play the Blues way. So I think it's a win-win for everybody. Is it odd to have guys come back this often or at least to have three in one fold that do it, you know, the second stint with the Blues or with any team in the NHL? Or is that something that you see that's more commonplace? I think that it happens more here. And I say that not exactly knowing. I mean, I, I don't sit, you know, look at the Philadelphia roster and say, wow, there's three guys back. Or, uh, But I think you look at this, it, it's got to be more than average when you look at the number of guys that we just mentioned, and I know there's plenty of others. But that's the one thing I've said about Army over the years. Like, If you show him that you're a good soldier, if he's got a chance to bring you back, he's going to do it. So the fourth line looks like it could be more physical potentially than in past years. Was that by design? I think so. I think that they got away from it for, for a couple of years. And I think that it was obvious, you know, we're going to use this word like we always do, identity. It was obvious they didn't have an identity. When you talk about the Dakota Joshua's, you know, you had a Nathan Walker, you had all these different guys, and it just didn't come together, uh, Logan Brown. Uh, so I think that you look at it this year, and you've got a Torpchenko, who everybody in the organization likes. I think the fans like, too. you got a Sunquist in the middle. 
Um, you got a McEachern, you got a Sammy Blay potential, and then you still have a Nathan Walker as a depth guy who I, I like him as a depth guy. So, you know, I think they can be physical. It's just going to be dependent on who's actually on that line. Is Blay on the second line? Is he on the fourth line? But if you're talking about Torpchenko and Sammy Blay laying hits and Sundquist yeah. in the middle of those guys, physical. that's definitely going to be a tougher line than we've seen the past couple of years. Goaltending hasn't been talked about a lot. you got Bennington coming back, Joel Hofer as well, so it looks like that's the tandem moving forward at least for the immediate this season. Yep, yep. Jordan Bennington back, uh, you know, his save percentage definitely doesn't look good from last year. Sub 900 you know, I stuck up for him a lot during this past season because I felt that uh, the defense wasn't up to snuff. That includes the forwards. I felt like uh, Bennington left out to dry a lot. Having said all that, there were stretches that he didn't play well. And you cannot deny, looking at his precipitous drop-off and save percentage the past four years, it's gone 9-12, 9-10, 9-04, 8-94. You know, show any goaltending coach in the league that drop off, and you're going to say, "Yeah, this is a guy who who doesn't have it." So I get it. Like the fans that are driving around saying Jordan Biddington is not the guy, you know, you can have that conversation. But I think Dan that when he's on and when the defense in front of him is playing well, he can still be a very capable goalie in this league. Now this year it's going to be a little bit different. Instead of Thomas Grice backing him up, you got the 23 year old Joel Hofer. He gets the deal to come up 775 thousand to be the backup. He looked really good, but he's only played eight NHL games. So how are they going to play off each other? Is Joel Hofer going to push Jordan Bennington for some starts? We'll see what happens. But that's going to be the tandem, probably not just this year, but for the coming future, the next couple of years. So the three one four asked you, Jr. What about Nathan Walker? What's going to happen with him? Well, I think that he'll be that 12th, 13th forward. I think yeah. that's going to be the situation. And look, uh, there's another player that you know what you get, and it's not going to wow you, but he's going to be there every night. He's going to score a few goals. Uh, you know, if they are going to put this kind of bigger, more physical fourth line out there, he doesn't fit that, you know, prototype. But I think that he's shown even with his size, that he can play that physical brand of hockey if you need him to. A lot of rapid fire here with Jeremy Rutherford of The uh, Athletic. It is 1028 in St. Louis. Our time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. I'm Dan McLaughlin filling in for Tim McKernan. He'll be back with you on Monday. JR, Dan, and this is 101 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. One hundred and one ESPN. It is the balloon party. I'm Dan McLaughlin filling in for Tim McKernan. That's Jeremy Rutherford. They're saying on the text line that Timmy usually has his shirt off by now. So I no. don't know if we need to. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> How about everybody else involved with the show? Grant, any thoughts? Hey, you know what? Wherever the show goes, you know, <laughs> let's not let it go Depends there. Depends on what they pay you. Hey, if you want to get the YouTube viewership up, that's one way to do it. Well, you're saying you got a great body is what you're saying. You're lifting no, all the I, time. You're I was, in great I'm shape. I'm talking about us as a show, not me personally. Got a dollar I'll throw at you. <laughs> that's on the YouTube. <laughs> What's wrong with you guys? That's the first time I've ever seen Danny's wallet open up. Yeah, it's funny. It's got cobwebs. <laughs> Look see, at that. 
Well, I don't like to use credit cards, so I carry a lot of cash every once in a while. Panger could sit on that thing and boost them up into the broadcast. <laughs> why, are you sh- why are you taking shots at uh, former broadcasters <laughs> here in St. Louis? It's uncalled for. Oh, why are you doing that? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Look at you. You don't want to go down that road. Um, I want to ask you just a simple question. Did Doug Armstrong do enough? Did he do enough for this club? Well, so it's a complicated answer. I'm going to give it to you as straight and easy as I can. Doug Armstrong had a situation where he needed to decide, what are we doing with this team? Are we trying to win this year, and are we making decisions where we're going to give up assets and future to try to win this year? Look, Eric Carlson got traded a couple days ago to Pittsburgh. Let's say Blues fans wanted him. Can Doug Armstrong say, hey, we'll give you the 10th overall pick, we'll give you this, we'll give you that to get an Eric Carlson? Are the Blues going to be better this year? Yeah, they're going to be better. But guess what? Big picture, they're going to be better for keeping their three first-round picks. I watched Dalibor Dvorsky out of the prospect camp. Unbelievable. Like, I try not to get caught up in that stuff. I try not to oversell a guy. He was great. He's going to be, I think, really good. So I think that the Blues are in a situation where – you know, their their hands are kind of tied with the defensemen. You tried to move one. It shows with Tory Krug invoking that no-trade clause how hard it can be. You finally find a package that works, and the guy's not going to approve the trade. So to me, did he do enough? The question has to, be, has to be phrased, did he do enough in terms of what he was trying to do with the situation? And I think he did. I think he got about as much out of the situation as you can. So can they be a playoff team? And see, this leads right into it. So, yeah, great follow-up is... Thanks. I, I, don't, I don't go into the season saying the Blues can't make the playoffs. I don't do that. Because I think last year they had what we thought was a deep, decent team. And I think when you bring in a Verona and a Kapanen and a Hayes and these guys are going to be motivated by their contract situations, you're going to have some young players coming in. You're going to have a top-four defense that wants to prove that you know they weren't as bad as they were last year. You know, I think there's going to be some motivation with this team. But where I put the, the limit on this, Dan, is you know, I'm not going into the season saying they're going to finish first, second, third in the Central Division. They're going to be, you know, top five in the West. I look at it as a situation as, hey, this could be a wild card team. And if they get in the playoffs, could they go a couple rounds? Maybe, yeah. But that's kind of where I put the ceiling. Uh, but I don't go into the, the season saying, hey, this is a retool. They're not going to be in the playoffs for two more years. I, I found it interesting. I read The Athletic every day. I love the stories of all sports. And I did find this one interesting. And I actually went back and read it. But there was a story in which Craig Berube was the number two coach on the hot seat. Now, there is a rotation of coaches, it seems like, all the time in the National Hockey League. The shelf life of these guys isn't very long. But it's maybe a little different story um, in St. Louis because he's won the Stanley Cup. And then, you know what, your grace period for that said coach, is that leash is a little bit longer. So it says he's number two on the hot seat. Would you... Agree with that? Where where are you with uh, that assessment? Yeah, so just to give some context, that poll was done at The Athletic, and the way they do it is they they send out an email uh, to all the beat writers who cover teams. So there's a lot of us, 20-plus beat writers at The Athletic, and that's compiling everybody's voting. And so I voted. I didn't put Craig Bruby on my list. Uh, I think the situation in St. Louis is this with him. Look, they just let him hire his own assistant coaches. And Dan, you know as well as anybody, in that situation, you don't give the rein to a guy and let him name his assistant coaches when you're thinking about getting rid of him. 100%. And also look at last season when it fell off the map. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, Doug Armstrong kept kept by his side. Um, So, you know, do they... Call out the players. Exactly. A couple times. You know, early in the season and later in the season. So, you know, has Doug Armstrong sat in his office and wondered out loud 
crowd, you know, is Craig Bruby still the guy? I'm sure he has. But I think he's come to the conclusion that, yes, it's on the players, and we're going to try to see this thing through. Also, you have to throw this in there. You know, he's in, what, second year of a three-year contract. The Blues don't pay people to leave. They've never bought out a player. Doug Armstrong has never bought out a player, uh, you know, since 2010. Sure, they've moved on from some coaches, but they didn't owe him a ton of money. Not a situation where you owe him $4 million for the next couple years, which is what they do with Craig Bruby. So on the theme of the assistants there, you got Mike Weber. He replaces Mike Van Ryan. Then you have... um Mike and Babcock. It, yeah, Mike Babcock will replace, or, or he's back in, or he's in right now. And so he is going to work and be the skills coach, correct? So then you have um, Weber working with the defense and the PK. So, you know, you bring in a couple of assistants like this, what kind of difference can it make? Or is it just one of those things that, hey, different voice, different sounding board, this is why we did this? Well, I think something had to happen with the defense and the penalty kill, and that's what Mike Van Ryan was in charge of, and that's not to take anything away from Mike Van Ryan. You know, he won a Stanley Cup, uh, and the penalty kill had been good for a couple years, but it wasn't last year, so I think they do need uh, a new voice. So Mike Weber comes in. He's going to handle the defense and the penalty kill, as we touched on. And then as far as Michael Babcock, he's the son of the Mike Babcock, who will coach the Columbus Blue Jackets now. So as soon as you hear that name, everybody's like, "Uh uh-oh. Well, (laughs) You know, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's let Michael Babcock come in and and see what he can do. But in terms of the title of the position, skills coach, the Blues haven't had that. You know, have they had guys come in and kind of help with the skills? Yeah, over the years uh, they have. But he's going to be a guy who comes in and kind of specializes with some of these players on the skill development. And also he won't be on the bench, I'm told, unless Craig Bruby decides to put him there. Doug Armstrong saying that Michael Babcock's going to be an eye in the sky during the games up in the press box looking uh, with that view. Prospect camp, you had a lot of new faces, a lot of young guys it's the idea of a prospect camp so i'll get in Dvorsky in just a moment we talked about it yesterday on the fast lane anybody else kind of get grab your attention you're like oh who is that guy who's that number whatever is there somebody else outside of Dvorsky? and i'm going to ask you about him but anybody else that really caught your attention yeah Otto stenberg is another one of their first round picks i think that stuck out uh Pekarsik. help me with his first name grant there your eye karsik your he was a, a later pick uh he a good player um, so I think they did really well. It looks to be, Dan, with this draft. Uh, but there are some other players from recent drafts that I think they're going to stick out. One name to watch, I'll throw this at you, defenseman Marc-Andre Gadet. Um, I think he was a fifth-round pick, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm hearing good things about him, a number four, number five in the NHL. I even had Corey Pronman, our scouting guru at The Athletic, reach out to me the other day, and he said, are the Blues saying anything about this god Ed? Cause Really? Because I, I like him. And, and for, I, again, I believe a fifth-round draft pick to get some noted, notoriety like that, I think, is something that you don't see too often. So you said Dvorsky was really good. I asked this question to you yesterday for fans that didn't hear it, Blues fans or sports fans here in St. Louis, how long would it take him to be in? St. Louis so number one that's the question and then typically on a number 10 pick and I I understand that it's all different for clubs needs and growth of a player but typically how long does it take then for a player when you're drafted 10th or let's say top 15 overall to get to the National Hockey League yeah so let me give his contract situation before I answer that is that uh, he's a Slovakian playing in Sweden he made the decision to go play in Sweden and he's got a two-year contract he's switching teams this year he's going to play on a two-year contract but that league doesn't have any stipulation of him going to the NHL if and when he wants. So he can come at any time. 
I expect that he'll play this full season in Sweden. And then I think it's a mutual option next year. So he could leave uh, next season and come to St. Louis. So it's going to de- depend on, you know, how does this season go for him? How does this year go for the Blues? Do they feel like it's a good situation to bring him in next year? But best case scenario, I think you could see Dvorsky in a Blues uniform, not this upcoming season, but the following season, you know, we'll see. So, uh, you know, where does he fit in? I'm going to have an article coming out at The Athletic. It should be any minute within the hour projecting the Blues 2025-26 lineup. Sometimes we have fun, you know, fans want to look to the future, what what it could look like, and we've got Dvorsky's name in there. So I think he's a guy we could see sooner than later. What does he do so well, and what does he need to improve upon to get here? Yeah, the one thing that really stuck out to me, first of all, the, the skills there, you know, he can score. He had a spinorama backhanded, you know, rooftop shot that that was a goal and just lit up the uh, the Centene Center. Grant, you're probably out there. Um, but I think for me, it's something that Keith Kachuk noticed and commented on as well is kind of the puck protection and in terms of being able to make pretty slippery moves while handling the puck, I, I think was really noticeable. Um, he was heavy on the back check. Anytime the puck was heading back the other way, he was one of the first guys back tracking him down. Um, so there's just so many mannerisms and so many things that you don't typically see from an 18-year-old blues player. But what we have to keep in mind is that how many times have we seen an 18-year-old forward? You saw uh, a Jaden Schwartz and a, uh, a Vladimir Tarasenko. They were drafted what uh, early in that 2010 draft. But you had the lockout. And then it was a while before you saw Tarasenko. Sure. So this is the first time we've seen a top 10 pick at 18 years old come over. And the difference between a guy being top 10 and being 25 in the draft, it's huge. You can when, see it. You know, I'm hearing you say all these different things about the Blues and young guys coming, three guys coming back for their second stint, maybe to be, you know, kind of a gap bridge the gap, so to speak, to get to other players that are developing or to get a little relief with the cap, whatever the case may be. It's It sounds like a retool to an extent. So how long is it until you say, oh, this is back to where they were 2019 cup contenders. They were rolling in 20 when COVID hit, that kind of thing. I'm not saying they're the same team. I'm not saying that they're going to be that good, but at least you're saying, okay, annual visits to the playoffs with a chance to make a run and who knows what happens from there. Yeah, I think it's going to be several years. And, you know, maybe they what look... several? Yeah, and I'll put a number on it. I think they probably look at it different. Maybe they think it could be two or three years. But if you look at it like this, so you're putting in the work to, to make the trades for the first-round picks. Then you're going to the draft this June and making those picks. You're drafting a Dvorsky, and then he's going to play two more years in Sweden. And you're gathering all these young players who can be part of it. And then at one point, you're going to put them in the lineup. Well, when's that going to be? You're hopeful that it's two to three years from now. So you're not going to dress like an all-rookie team in 2025-26, right? But at some point, those players have to arrive and have to get some action so you see what you have. And can you bring in a Dvorsky and a Snuggerud and bring in all this young talent that you've accumulated in two to three years and all of a sudden think that you're going to be a cup contender? No. Go back to 2017, 18. What did it take to finally get to that point where you could win a Stanley Cup? Well, it took trades like getting Braden Chen, getting Jay Bowmeister, getting those guys, and it took several years for all that to come together. So my thing is this. I think they're on the right track, 
and I think they can be competitive in a few years. You know, I don't think this is a five- or six-year type thing, but I do think it's a situation where you're going to have to let those young players come in at some point, and I don't know how you look at that roster of younger guys and say, okay, we're there. We're, this is a cup team. Interesting. You know, to put a number on it, you know, in terms Two to of three years, yeah, what you when said. the Blues could yeah. be that type of team, it could be three to four years. Ten forty-five here in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. That's Jeremy Rutherford from the Athletic. I'm Dan McLaughlin filling in for Tim McKernan again. I'll be back here tomorrow at ten o'clock. Love filling in, and it's a lot of fun to be on with you. Back with more in a moment. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on One Hundred One ESPN. Reminder that 101 ESPN has your chance to win a four-pack of tickets to next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash for the Cardinals and the A's. Next week's Bud Bash game features a limited edition Gary Gaetti bobblehead. And uh, if you were listening to the Fast Lane yesterday, it's maybe a tough question. If you can answer this question right, Mike Ryder has the answer. JR and I covered a particular team here in St. Louis that, let's just face it, JR, no one else was at the game <laughs> and covering it except us. What was the name of that team? What was the name of the team? Don't say it. Oh, I know. If you say it, you're going to the Bud Bash. 314-399-9646. 314-399-9646. Get all the details on this season's series of Budweiser Batch Cardinal tickets and games now at cardinals.com slash promotions. Okay. That's going to be tough. I don't know if anybody's going to get it. Yeah, it's going to be tough. And, Danny, maybe people have heard the story. But, again, I think you and I were the only two media members there. And we were willing... Willingly there to Happy cover the to team. Do it. Happy to do it. 20 years old. And I'll never forget when the executive of the team uh, berated us in the <laughs> elevator the one night and said, why can't you guys get more coverage of us at your outlets? And I said, we don't want to give his name away because that'll give the, the yep. sport away. Mm-hmm. But I said, well, there's something going on right now called the Olympics. And my newspaper's pretty <laughs> tied up in covering the Olympics. My favorite story about JR is uh, I was doing the Blues pregame and intermissions and postgames uh, on television. And... Um, you had some pictures that were were taken of you as you appeared on the, the pregame show with me to talk about the Blues, and your family was very, very proud that you were on TV. Well, I'll give the short version because we've told it before, but uh, yeah, they told me that uh, whenever you're going to be on TV, please tell us, you know, we'll watch, and uh, you came up to me in Nashville, I remember, and you said, yep, hey, can, it was you, Nashville. can you do pregame? And I said, yeah, I'll jump on with you. So I called my father-in-law, and I said, hey, I'm going to be on like 6.15-ish, and he goes, oh, man, right smack in the middle of Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> And uh, so, so uh, we did the spot pregame, Dan. And a couple weeks later, I was over at the in-laws, and I saw a stack of pictures on their table. Turns out they could not find a VCR tape to tape the segment, so they took still pictures of us on the TV. Uh-huh. And there's 45 pictures stacked on top of each other on the kitchen table. So I took them and flipped through them like cards, like a deck of cards. And you and I are just gyrating, moving back and forth because yes. it's different pictures. So yes. I called you. I think I texted you, whatever, got your address, and mailed you the pictures. <laughs> It's so awesome. Oh, so they did not record it, but they took no the VCR tape. They probably Do you still have them. Nah, somewhere maybe. I, I bet I know. still have the ones that you sent. Yeah, they didn't want awesome. to tape over General Hospital, so they couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a question that I, I cannot. 
understand why he isn't in the the National Hockey League Hall of Fame. And if you mentioned his name multiple times already this morning, that's Keith Kachuk. I, I don't understand it. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So at the Athletic, they asked us recently when uh, they were making Hall of Fame announcements. Uh, you know, let's do a mock one. And is there anybody you would uh, promote for the Hall of Fame? And I made the case for Keith Kachuk. I believe he deserves to be in. When I think of Hall of Fame, Dan, you uh, correct me. Your thoughts. If you were the preeminent player at your position for, for sure. a decade, then you're in there. And that's what he was as a power forward. But beyond that, I did the research. I did the homework. You know, I went back and looked. He's like 35th in the NHL in, in terms of scoring points, all that. And every guy ahead of him is in. And I get that there's got to be a cutoff some point. You can't get to 86 and say, okay, well, 87 deserves to be in too. But Keith Kachuk has the numbers. And also, you know, one of the best American-born players That's ever. another key factor for yeah. me. Yeah, and so why isn't he? Yes, the question, why is he? I don't know. You know, these Hall of Fame things, they take on a life of their own. Uh, there's guys that uh, should be in that aren't. You know, did, did Keith Kachuk live up to his entire potential? Is that a question that they ask? You know, whether he did or not. He still dominated the league, and so to me, he's a Hall of Famer. I was so happy to see Pierre Turgeon get in um, or go in. He is one of the best, most underrated players I've ever seen. He yeah. was awesome. He was great, great. Just a physical specimen, you know, just ripped. You know, I saw him at the uh, alumni game for the Winter Classic, what, back in 2017. He can still play. Exactly. He's, ask Rivers, you know, he's Pierre Turgeon out there just still looking like uh, he was back in the 2000s for the Blues. How about the Blues Hall of Fame? You mentioned it a little bit earlier. Give me some names. And when the Cardinals did this, and now with the Blues, are going to find this too, is that you have your Hall of Famers, and that's the first couple of waves that go in. And they're obvious choices. It's Bernie, it's Chris Pronger, it's Al, those guys, Brett, that are going to wear that blue jacket. But there's some others, though, and I think you mentioned Barrett Jackman. That would be one. But there's some other guys that you think about that had just a hell of a career here in St. Louis that maybe not be National Hockey, Hockey League Hall of Fame, but... Certainly, when you think about St. Louis hockey and St. Louis Blues hockey, they they have a a huge role in what's happened here. I think this is great, and I've been watching the Cardinals Hall of Fame, and, and you host that for for years. You know, Cardinals did a phenomenal job. I was glad to see the Blues do it. They had it in the works for a while. You know, maybe COVID set it back a little bit, uh, but now they got it going. And so last year they had the first dinner, as you mentioned, it was all the guys with their numbers and the rafters, the Prongers, McInnes's, those guys. And then now we're going to get a steady stream of just great St. Louis Blues to go into the Hall of Fame. Uh, they just had, uh, I think the voting just shut down, right? And so they're they're putting in the second class, and uh, we are able to talk about our ballots. And uh, my ballot included Keith Kachuk. It included Pavel Dimitra. Also, I put uh, Emil Francis, the general manager mm-hmm. from the 80s, uh, you know, Brought 70s, Bernie 80s. Here. Yeah, 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 Bernie and, and Brian Sutter. Exactly. Uh, that team. And then also I put on my list. I don't think he's going to get Sudzi much on your list. Uh, he's already in, so he's in. From I mean, last on year. your original list, did you have all the guys yeah. that they, you know, thought they were? Did you make a list personally, and was he on that list? Is what I'm saying. Yeah. So to answer it, they um, told us not to vote for the guys who are already in the rafters that were automatically. Okay, so that's how in. they did the first year. That's how okay. they did the first year. So now this year, we all submitted uh, four. I had Kachuk. Demetra, Emil Francis. I also gave some love to Lynn Patrick, the original executive for the St. Louis Blues. He brought in Scotty Bowman. You know, not a name that's going to generate a lot, but a guy who was there from day one. Yeah, who's some others that are kind of laying in the weeds? And that's one that I had not thought of, but some others that you think about like that. Yeah, I think they're actually, they hit a lot of those guys. You know, Scotty Bowman, you know, Emil Francis, I think will get in at, at some point. 
Um, you think about, you know, the Solomons are in because they put the sure. ownership groups in. Um, you know, in terms of guys laying in the weeds, maybe guys that don't have the numbers, but they definitely set the tone for this organization. Guys like Al Arbor, uh, so on and so forth. So, so many early on guys um, that I think we tend to forget about. But they created this tradition, and and then eventually you'll start to see. I think uh, the Barrett Jackmans and and a lot of these 2019 Stanley Cup guys eventually are going to get in. I was thinking that too. Petro's a lock. Yeah. When they when he's done, I still wanted to see a statue of him wearing a St. Louis Blues sweater, staying in St. Louis, sweater, and, the, and, the, and the statue would be him holding the cup with the fireworks going off in the back. Yeah, I'll never forget this day. And this is, you know, we do a lot of radio, right? And the one day I was filling in, I can't remember what show, and we had Alex Petrangelo's dad on, Joe. And we have him live on the air, and I get an email from Sports Illustrated that says, here's the new cover. This is an early copy of the release. And I pull it up, and it's Alex, his son, lifting the cup up. And we said live on the air to Joe Petrangelo, uh, we just got an email with a picture of Sports Illustrated cover, and it's your son holding the cup and he just paused and you could just tell the emotion that uh, was on the other side of the line that's so cool it's amazing how many of these guys stay in st louis and i'm just thinking about the bernies of the world chris pronger living here al living here it is amazing how the the alumni that stay in st louis that are affiliated with the st louis blues that's great dan because a lot of times i want to do stories and interview these guys and they'll say yeah just meet me at starbucks (laughs) on on Lindbergh." so i got to drive 20 minutes to meet some of these hall of famers to write these stories a lot of them have 314 numbers it's crazy and then there again that goes back to where asking earlier, you know, is it common that the Blues bring back so many guys? This is another question that's hard to answer because you don't know what it's like with other franchises, but you can... You, you can listen to a Keith Kachuk or a Barrett Jackman tell you why they stayed here. And if you listen to them, they'll say, this doesn't happen in other cities like really it doesn't. happens in St. Louis. And the other part of it, too, is that it, it's affected, had a major effect on the National Hockey League because of the kids coming out of St. Louis that are coached by former NHL players. Their kids are getting coached, and other kids of their buddies are getting coached by you know, Jeff Brown, for instance, or some of these guys that, that got into youth hockey and it's made a huge impact in that regard, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, when you think about Al McKinnis coaching your team, uh, Keith Kachuk, uh, whether it be Jeff Brown, Kelly Chase has been involved, all those guys. You know, I'm around some of these younger players, and now they're getting older because we're all getting older, but, you know, in their 20s and 30s who had these guys as their coaches and they went on to play college hockey, you know, AAA, so on and so forth. Uh, it really has made an impact and no bigger impact than that draft years ago where he had five of them taken in the first round as we wrap it up the uh, team that we covered what was it we got we got people we got enough so that guessed properly but what was the team am i giving the answer here? yeah the arena football league yes it was the uh, st louis stallions right was it the Stallions? Stampede? Stampede. Stampede, yeah. yeah. You said Stallions earlier. I did. It's a Stampede. <laughs> well, it had such a profound impact yeah. in my life. <laughs> hey, you know what? Stallions, that was going to be the uh, football team if they got That's the expansion what, team for the Stampede. NFL. And we saw you and I covered a game in which Kurt Warner came through with the Barnstormers or whatever the hell they were called. Yeah. Uh, I'll never forget we... Uh, I don't know what it was called, but he was really good. I remember that. When the Rams and Kurt Warner were making a name for themselves, I think I said something to you one day. You you remember we covered this arena team, the Stampede. It's and, crazy. And Kurt Warner came through, and I went back and looked at one of my old clips. Yep. And uh, the very last sentence of my story said, Iowa Barnstormer quarterback Kurt Warner threw for God, ungodly yards. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, this is fun, man. Hey, thanks hey, for awesome, coming buddy. in studio. This is great. Really appreciate it. You're such a great friend, and thanks for doing this. Thanks, Danny. You got it. And one more time, at The Athletic, you have a new 
it should be out there at any second, correct? Yeah, it could a new be article? Up, uh, any minute. And it, yeah, it's projecting the 2025-26 Blues roster with names like Bolduke, Snuggerud, Dvorsky, some of the guys we talked about today. It should be up at The Athletic soon. That's Jeremy Rutherford. I'm Dan McLaughlin. And BK and Ferrario coming up next on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to The Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.